A merry heart does good like medicine. Okay. Vitamins, blood pressure medication. Huh? We merry heart, joy, joy. Wow. I remember my granddaughter, Mika, was a teenager and went to Hungary for our Eurocon. And uh, at, night, at night, you know how it is at Eurocon and the, old pe- the young people, old people, young people go out to the Turkish restaurant and, and she had an encounter with, a, um, with a, her, the group she was in and uh, with some young guy at the restaurant. And she said, she said to me the next day, Poppy, it really happened. It really happened. And he said he's coming to the Eurocon. And it was so good. We had such a conversation. And it was so good. And then that young man came to the meeting. And he, had, he became a believer. Uh, so when I, and I met young people that are kind of surprised that that happens, like all of us would kind of are, that people find Christ and they become believers. And so that'll be our, our theme tonight in a couple of little pieces. And this is the introductory part. Have you ever led somebody to Christ? Do you want to turn to your neighbor and answer that question to them? How many of you could say you have? Just raise your hand. You have led somebody to Christ. Yeah. Uh, did it happen? Did they? Did they know what they were doing? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, did you also see uh, growth? Did you see anything happen in their lives? Maybe, maybe not. Um, we, why are you, uh, why do we care about this subject? Why? Why is it important to us? Isn't that good? Question: Why? Um, Paul said to the Thessalonians, "You are my joy, my crown of rejoicing." He said, "You are my joy in life." There are a lot of people that pursue many things, but helping people find God is not one of them. We are good at a lot of things, like finding treasure in the ocean, looking at the solar system by sophisticated telescopes. Uh, Have you ever been out deep sea fishing and all the technology that is involved in finding fish? We can find fish. We can find whales, find stars, find money find success, but can we find people that are lost and hurting, and there are so many. 
Isn't it true? Yeah? Okay. So, the scripture I want you to look at, I think there's many parts to this, but turn to Job 28. Oh, it's great to turn to this text. We had a new new man come to our service. It's Travis right there in the back. You want to just raise your hand, Travis? There he is. He came Sunday, first time. Yeah. First time, that guy. Yeah. It's uh, a joy uh, to think that people are searching and seeking, and God is calling them and speaking to their hearts. In this uh, chapter, it's a very unique chapter. Maybe you know it or have read it many times. It's one of those kind of that just provokes your thinking. It says in chapter 28, verse 1, There is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. They find it. Um, You go in the ground and you look for gold and you look for a trail of of the metal, a vein. Iron is taken out of the earth. Brass is molten out of the stone. Then it speaks about birds and how they find their way and and all these kind of mysteries in nature. And then it says, where do you find wisdom? Where can you find it? Wisdom. And what's the price of it? Look at chapter 28, verse 23. God understands the way thereof, and he knows the place thereof. Wisdom and understanding. God knows it. God can give it to us. But how can you find it? Like people are digging and looking and exploring, but how can they find the most precious, the most valuable things in life. Imagine we could find a lot of things in in the world, but can we find the joy of seeing, of knowing Jesus, number one, the joy of knowing Jesus. Unto you you whom believe, how does it go? He is more precious than gold that perishes. Uh, That God... And the knowledge of God, Jeremiah 9.23, where it says, Let not the mighty man rejoice in his might, or the rich man in his riches, but let him that glory, glory in this, that he knows me and understands me. Do you know him? I believe you do. Do you understand him? You have to work at it. You have to keep at it. You have to keep at it. You have to keep searching. You have to walk in it. It'll come to you. You'll understand it. You'll find it. I found it. I found it. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. I found him. I found him. I know who he is. I have his joy, his spirit. The clarity of his heart, his mind, his thoughts in the word. We find it. It's like, 
I don't think that we should just be thinking that, uh, you know, it automatically or, uh, you know, leading people to Christ, you know, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. I think to pursue in a godly way and be aware of the fact that people need help. Where do you go when you die? That's a common sentence we say around here. Uh, where do you go when you die? You might want to change it and say, is life good to you? How is it going? I have a diagram, it's very unusual, I want to share with you. Uh, if I could get the iPad up here and just uh, share, share something with you, think, because you're... Let's see. To get you Job twenty eight twenty eight, and unto man he said, "Behold, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding." Now this is uh, another piece from C.S. Lewis's book. Uh, the title of the chapter: Christianity is it hard or easy? Christianity, is it hard or easy? He made a very interesting observation. He said, many people, when they are taught about Christianity, this is what they hear, that there are bad things in my life. This block is my natural life. I'll just write it this way, my natural life. You know, my desires, my ambitions, my appetites. Uh, my life. It's my life. Wow, what an amazing thing that is. Yes, it's my life. So there are bad things, and I feel like I should get rid of them. And then I hear about loving people, forgiving people, and so on. And there are good things that I feel I should embrace. Good that I embrace or I practice. And then the idea is this. If I, if I manage the good and I kind of get rid of the good and then the, the, I mean the bad, I get rid of the bad and then I kind of embrace the good, then the rest of my life is mine. I mean, this is my life. And I did what God wanted me to do. I got rid of the bad and then I, uh, embraced the good. And then I have my life to live. And he said, that is a miserable model, in his own words. Actually, I have the paragraph there in that folder. Thank you. I don't know if you can, I know you can follow this. Listen, as long as we are thinking that that way, one or other of two results is likely to follow. Either we try give up trying to be good, or else we become very unhappy. Two things. We, we keep at this model, and we kind of are controlling our life, and we might just say, I give up, I'm not, I don't care about it, and we continue our life that way. Or we obey the model and we become unhappy. For make no mistake, if you're really going to try to meet all the demands made on the natural self, 
you will not have enough left over to live on. That means this part here, left over to live on. There won't be enough. The more you obey your conscience, the more your conscience will demand of you. Your natural self, which is thus being starved and hampered and worried at every turn, will get angrier and angrier. In the end, you'll either give up trying to be good or else become one of those people who, as they say, live for others, but always in a discontented, grumbling way, always wondering why the others do not notice more and more what a martyr I am. (laughs) And once you have become that, you will be a far greater pest than anyone who has to live with you than you would have been if you had remained frankly selfish. What's the answer to this? How do you have joy? Not by that. That's not what we do. We don't do this. We're not getting rid of the bad, kind of embracing the good so that I can live my life. But instead, we lose our life. We take the natural man in the words of God and we lose our life, the whole thing, everything at the cross. What happens? He fills us with his spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace. And your self-life is kind of swallowed up. You're not controlling it. You're not living for it. Like I'm living for the weekend. But I would like to be be good and then I get rid of my bad, but then I would manage it so that I could live my life my way. It, there's no joy in that. There's no message in that. But this is our message. It's the depth of love and joy in our hearts so that we can help others. Now, the text I want to use here, well, I think I'll stop right there and uh, have you uh, think about it for a minute. Okay, so thank you, Jesus. We pray you would bless our service tonight. Thank you for the ministry of joy and life and peace and wisdom. We pursue you. We found you. We rejoice in you. We have a message for people. Help us to pursue people to go after, to desire conversions, salvations, to desire the, the new birth in the lives of people, to desire growth in people, to see it happening, to have friends, relatives, work companions, colleagues, distant relatives, to find you, to know you. We, we are searching not the seas and the stars and the chemistry labs and medicines. We may do that as a profession, 
but we have something more happening in our hearts. It's for people to find you. Yes, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, do you think that if you got a job at Johns Hopkins and you worked there, that, that, that God could put you there? Absolutely. Yeah, if you had a job at a school uh, that God put you there as a teacher, do you believe that? How about um, you're not married, God put you there, and that's God, that's God's will. Do you think so? Let's read it, 1 Corinthians 7. 20. Why would he do that? that? Why would he do this? Because he is our Heavenly Father. If you have a broken heart or broken relationship or broken something, broken, uh, that might be God is in it. Um, we Realize too in our jobs, I really believe this is chapter 7, verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And he's talking about our status in society. Are you called being a servant? Don't care about it. You are a slave, then that's fine. You're a slave. But if you may be free, use it. If you, are, if you can get out of your slavery and be a free man, then use it. But if you are in bondage, like in the system, in society, then uh, that's what you have. That's where you are in society. But what do you have inside, in our, in our character, in our nature, that new nature is the reality of Christ in us. So Christ is in us. So then it says, are you called being, um, uh, verse uh, 22, for he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. You are the Lord's free man. You might have, you might be owned by somebody, like in the ancient world, by the way, Slavery was illegal in Europe in the ninth century. That amazing, because it was Christian. And Christians knew. I mean, there's a whole, this is another message, but I want you to see this here for a minute. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Okay, now, why do I say this? Because... If your job, you, you are in contact with 10 people or 30 or 100 or even 1,000 or thousands, uh, could it be that the Lord has put you there to be aware of the fact that people have needs, that people have struggles and problems in life? Look at Mark 2, with me here. Mark 2, the man 
who was paralyzed and Jesus was in Capernaum and many were gathered there, verse 2, and there was no room, no, no, not even around the doorway, he preached the word. And they brought, they came bringing one of the palsy who's paralyzed, uh, any number of infections or diseases that paralyzed people, maybe broken nerve, nerve uh, broken uh, neck or something broken back, any number of reasons he was paralyzed. And they lowered him down on the bed in front of Jesus. In verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick, uh, bringing people to Christ, wasn't that amazing? Like looking for people, being aware of their trouble. Um, I read this story in China. A missionary physician in one of China's hospitals cured a man of cataracts. A few weeks later, 48 blind men came to the doctor from one of China's wilderness areas. They were holding onto a rope guided by the man who had been cured. He had led them this way to the hospital, walking in chain 250 miles to the hospital. The multitudes may appear indifferent to their condition, but not let, let not this discourage us, for many are fumbling blindly for the light. It is our happy, happy mission to tenderly and tirelessly seek them. <clears throat> um, maybe just two things very simply. Let's go, let's go to Hosea 10 and read. That's one more text. I have a lot of little various portions here, but we're, we're not long, but I want you to see this. You know this verse, I think, pretty well. You've heard it. Verse 12, Hosea 10. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. So there's your self-life, okay? Like, be a righteous person, right? This is the, this is the first part is, you are healthy, okay? You have found this life from Jesus in your life, the Spirit filling you, the words, the wisdom, the way of life we have, the way of life that we have together the love that we have together. So we do this, verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. We could really put those two words here. You are doing the right, you are living righteous, and you are reaping mercy. And I'll add this word joy, you know, stability, joy, uh, depth of understanding, Confidence, clarity of thought, very beautiful way of living the way you, you live 
in Christ. This is, this is really important, verse 12. Then it says, break up your fallow ground. Now, fallow ground is like a meadow or a field that is hard, not broken up. It's um, uh, not been used. It's fallow ground. It's not been plowed, hasn't been seeded, seeded or planted. It's just like a, a meadow, a field. And there's a tree here or there. There's grasses. Um, there's ground there, but it hasn't been prepared. It's not prepared. It is not prepared. And I think that many people are like this. They are people with fallow ground. They are people that just, they go through life and nothing is planted there. I'll put that down here. Nothing, no, no, nothing is planted in their hearts. Nothing is planted in their lives from God. There is like planting of wickedness or bad habits or sinful thoughts and those kind of things. But this is not change. There's no, no real fruit there. It's just life lived on the natural plane. And he says, break it up. Break it up. And I feel that's what happens when we come to church. We hear something that breaks up those thoughts, breaks up the heart, breaks open the heart, opens my heart to God. And when our heart is open to God, he puts a seed in there. It's called good soil. And, and Jesus told a parable about this fellow ground, didn't he? He told a parable in Luke 8, where he said it was, um, it was, um, Luke 8 is the parable of the sower. And you have the rocky soil, the fallow, the, the shallow ground, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and so on. And then there was the good soil. And the good soil, like maybe you've done gardening, and you have to dig in the yard, and you dig up a bed uh, to plant. And you have to work it. You have to dig it up. You have to work it. This is like soul winning. Like soul winning isn't just like one, one encounter with somebody. I thank God we do that. We hand out, we hand out tracks. I read about a man who was at the airport. He had an hour and 20 minutes and he wondered what to do with his time. He had some tracks and a business card. He said, uh, he gave it to people sitting in the airport. And he said, um, if you're interested to know more about this, I'll be sitting over there. And within like 20 minutes, there were four people standing up wanting to talk to him. And they, they just wanted to talk to him. If you want to know more about God, I'll be sitting over there. Or that God, you know, however it went. But that's the idea. Uh, there are people that would like to meet you. And they may be at Hopkins or at the school or at the police department or at a business meeting or in a coffee shop. There are people that would like to have a talk. And one of the things that we do is that we address the fallow ground. Like you just can't throw seed on that ground and expect it to grow. And that's why in some cases, like in your neighborhood, you have a long-range plan a year or two years out. And you're just thinking, in my neighborhood, 
I'm going to see, I would like to break up the fallow ground and just be friendly, have a little talk, give little gifts, offer your services, and so on, like we do as Christians, because we have this searching. I'm tracking the fish in the ocean. I'm searching. I'm really at it. I don't know that we win souls just by not caring. I think it, it happens because, uh, you know, there's something in our... Basically, it is that I remember I was lost without Christ. I was without Jesus. I was not forgiven of my sin. I was on my way to, uh, you know, someday dying... And I had no answer. And I, I needed somebody to help me. Now, I had many questions. Let's write down a couple of things here about the fallow ground. The fallow ground is basically what you hear on the news, um, what people have in their hearts. There are ideas. Evolution is one of them. And you may be an evolutionist uh, as a believer, but actually, as you grow in your faith, you start to realize it's very simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And one day, out of the dust, he made a mature man and took out of his side a mature woman. And we have man and woman. The Bible says so. That might be hard for people who are saturated in the modern view of life but then you ask the question to the atheists, which is another fellow ground idea. If I could say to them, 96% of the world's population believes in God. Why are you smarter than all of those other people? You are very few in number. Why are you believing that? Explain it to me. Why do you believe there is no God? Do you have a personal problem about it? Do you have a wound in your life? Are you angry with God about something? Why? What am I doing? I wouldn't be, I'm not, I'm being, if, if the way is, if it is possible, and I can pursue somebody in, in a relationship and be breaking up the fallow ground, that maybe in time they will be listening to me. And I have a lot of knowledge and information, and you do too, as we are growing in our faith. Break up the fellow ground. Here's another one. The self-psycho uh, self, um, uh, problems, psychological um, problems that people have. You know, me, myself, and I, I'm so troubled by my... I am depressed or jealous or hateful or envious. Okay, this is fallow ground. Yes, I understand that. I have been that way too. But I've got to tell you something. There's a way out. There's an answer for you. There's something entirely new. Something you don't produce by yourself. Something given to you from God. It's called the new birth. It's by regeneration. It's by Christ being formed in you. It's by the Holy Spirit filling you. And they, 
they are listening, and I'm talking about this because it's on my heart, that, that the, the real purpose of the church is to win people to Christ. It's to lead them. And for us to be like patient, like a fisherman has to be patient. Or a, mine, a man mining for gold. Imagine the hardship that miners went through the 19th century as they were looking for their fortune and what they sacrificed. I think in three months' time when the California gold rush happened in 1849, they kept it a secret for one year, but when it broke open, 300,000 Americans moved to California in a, within a year's time. I think it was three months' time. Why? They wanted gold. Well, we want souls. We would like them at the, at the hospital. We'd like them on the street. We'd like them in our lives. They will be our joy. When the fellow ground is broken up, and it might take time, but it's broken up, and then it says in that last part of the verse, in verse 12 it says, For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So, the ground is prepared. The ground is prepared because they know you. Now, many of the Chinese believers, I've been told, and we're living in Budapest, we found this out. There were about 30,000 Chinese that moved to Budapest in, the, in those years when we were living there. And the Chinese would hear us. They didn't believe in God. And they would wonder about it. Is there God or not? They didn't believe in God. It took one year, two years, five years. And in our churches in China, I've been told that when somebody makes the decision, it might have taken a couple of years, but they will come down front and the church will get around them and they'll have a celebration and they'll welcome them into the family of God. And there's like a lot of joy. And they are so happy. That person took... It took them time to become a believer. It wasn't like easy. It was a struggle. But they, they, God did it. And God is doing that in China and around the world. And we are part of this. We are training people to be, to be thinking like this. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 that the Son of Man came to seek, to seek. And I mean, I wonder really what that means, huh? To seek. What did Jesus tell me about that? You were seeking, yes. I was seeking. I knew. Yes, they were prepared. Yes, I was seeking Zacchaeus, the woman at the well. Yes. The Apostle Paul, you know, I appeared to him. Right? Isn't it amazing? I am seeking, and I feel just as a result of your love, your your maturity, your wisdom, your availability to God, and your awareness of it, that you and I are also seekers, and we are talkers, and we are counselors, and we are leading them. And we say, read this in the Bible, and have an index card, and read this 
in your Bible and come and believe in Jesus. It's Jesus that saves you. It's Jesus that answers your prayer. One time I read in China um, that there was a man who had a nail in a sandal and he, he wanted to put something in there because the nail was bothering his foot, of course. So he found this piece of paper, folded it up, and put it in his sandal. And he walked on it for three months, I think. And then one day he took it out and he read it. It was a track. <laughs> and, and the testimony, I think Watchman Nee told the story. The testimony is that he, he walked on that piece of paper, right? And, and, uh, and then it went into his heart and he believed. And this is what we are doing on the earth. We are aware of it. And you never know what will happen and how people will think about what you say to them. We are kind, quiet, wise, talkative. We share the message. One time on an airplane, I was next to a Orthodox Jew, a Jewish man. I respected him. He had a big beard. He was gray and old and a beautiful guy. And then um, I said, what is your favorite psalm? You know, and we talked. And do you do you read that? I read the psalms also. And I we talked like this and we were just little by little. And then uh, and I did not evangelize him. I was just listening to him and talking. And then uh, it was time to go. And I said, you know, he said, you know, I, I might be of the seed of David. Like his line is genealogy that he might be related to King David. I go, wow, that's amazing. You could be related to King David, you know, and he was very happy about that, you know. Like it, it, but then he opened his heart. And then I said, do you know that Jesus of Nazareth was of the seed of David? And he goes, no, I didn't know that. I go, yeah, he was. And that was the end. <laughs> but you know, yeah, my point is, I remember the story. I remember what I said to him. I remember it made an impact on him, and I pray for him today. You never know. I, we are seeking, aren't we? We are. We are. We are like, like just there, like looking for people. And then, of course, if they can come to the church, and grow in the faith, and also make big decisions about. And Jesus is in us so we can make those decisions. Repent of our sin. And I want to say one last thing about that, one, one thing, and that, that is if you keep listening and living in faith, bad habits, they go away. They do. Bad habits will go away. Be patient. God will take them away. God will take them away. God will help you. You will have joy in your heart and in your life. And a sense of 
the new way. And then you will say, it really is true. It really is amazing. I am growing. It does work. I'm not as upset as I used to be. I'm not in control of my life like it used to be. I'm not analyzing myself like I used to. I have found a new way. There is love and joy and freedom, and I want to share it with others. What a motivation. And when Jesus came, of course, he was so concerned about each of us. Many made it happen. He died for us, was raised from the dead, and then he sent us into the world. He sent us. And we have this history here of 50 years. We are in so many parts of the world, and we are saying, it is true. Poppy, Poppy, it is amazing. Poppy, he's here at the church tonight. It was such an amazing talk. And I said to Mika, I go, like, how long did you talk? She said, hours. He was so interested. He was asking questions. I think it was from Turkey. I don't remember. He was from another country. But this was in Hungary, and that was so cool. Amen. Do you pray with me, please? By the way, Saturday morning we always meet at, at 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock, for the fellowship to go out to the Amish market. We go to Sam's Club parking lot. We go door to door in different neighborhoods. We do visits. We hand out tracts. We suha, Pastor Suhas and Anna goes to Towson and, and they share and it, you know, Poppy, Poppy, it is true. It works. It is. He's here tonight. Wow. Amazing. Do you pray with me? Okay. Lord Jesus, maybe maybe there we there are there are places there are places where the churches don't care about seeking. It's not on their agenda. They do not rip up the roof to lower somebody. They are not like that healed blind Chinaman with a rope with 48 blind Chinese walking 250 miles to meet the doctor to be healed. There are churches that are not preaching the gospel, that Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Lord, help us always to be this kind of people that we are seeking and we are sharing and breaking up the fellow ground and, and talking and leading and convincing and sharing and loving and patient and keep at it and keep at it and sow the seed and keep at it and pray and ask God to just put the seed in the heart and save people and save them from a real hell, a real lost condition. Save them by your grace and do this work in your name we pray. And then in this meeting tonight, if you
are saying in your heart, I want Jesus in my life, I really do, I want Christ in my in my life, then say to him, I want you, Jesus, and I believe in you. And that's your, this is your birthday. This is your spiritual birthday. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. God bless you. Amen.